0: Their hand at a Bible, they start in this book that we're going to study, Genesis. Why? Because it's at the front. When you read a book, you start with page one. Uh, They don't understand that your Bibles uh, are basically a library of sixty-six books, and every one is kind of self-contained and and uh, they all relate to each other. Don't get me wrong, uh, but uh, uh, and I guess if we're going to start with something, Genesis is a good place to start because of the first five words in the book of Genesis, which is going to basically teach us today. We're going to go through the origins of nothing, and the first thing we're going to see is that. uh, Uh, God is the originator of all origins. Because in the first five words of the book, it says this. Everybody read it with me. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. But the first five words are, in the beginning, God created. That's how the book starts. Anybody know who wrote Genesis or who we attribute Genesis uh, to being written by? Moses. Moses wrote Genesis. Uh, He he wrote uh, Genesis in a time in Israel's history where they were just coming out of slavery in Egypt, uh, they were going from Koa to Koa for about forty years, um, in the wilderness because they, you know, they couldn't find the Promised Land. But uh, during that time, sometime uh, Moses put pen to papyrus and and started writing down all the things that had been held through oral tradition uh, as as the history of, of the of the Jewish faith, which would soon, uh, in time, become the Christian faith. Um, uh, these, these, these uh, Israelites had, had basically adopted the Egyptian deities as their gods. That's why when you read about Exodus, uh, the ten plagues that came, anybody remember those? Exodus is a great book. There's a lot of fun things in there. But the ten plagues were all in response uh, to the falsehood of the, of the deities of the Egyptian uh, pantheon. The, you know, the, basically, uh, all of those plagues corresponded to an Egyptian god who had no power over the rivers, or over the sun. or Everybody with me on that? Maybe you're not, but that's, that's kind of how it started. And so Moses uh, continues his defense of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob uh, by writing for uh, his, his, his friends, his people, the Israelites, what's called the Pentateuch, which Genesis is the first book of. Pentateuch is uh, basically the first five books of your Bible. It comes from penta, meaning five, and tuq, meaning woolly hat, if you're from Canada. All right, anyway... Um, That's not true. (laughs) Um, Genesis has has 50 chapters, and the first 11 chapters of Genesis are all about primeval history. Basically, uh, everything uh, from the very beginning of creation up until, well, this guy named Abraham, which we find out about him. is named Abram originally, uh, but Abram is this guy who comes on the scene in Genesis chapter 12, and from Genesis 12 through Genesis 50, you get the story of the patriarchs or the fathers of Israel. Uh, So, uh, pretty fascinating book. Like I said, we're only going to get to get to the first three chapters here in the next six or seven weeks. Uh, but we're going to have a, a, what I hope is a great time. You having fun so far? A great time talking about the origins that God reports here in the book of Genesis. One more time, reading these words with me. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. There's, there's, listen, your Bible is full of verses that are awesome. They are powerful. Uh, they are uh, foundational. All of them are important to the, to the canon of what we believe. But I, I would submit to you that there, there may be none more important than this verse right here. And some of you are like, really? Even more important than like John 3.16? Because that's in the end zone, right? Um, but yeah, uh, there's no John 3.16 except that in the beginning God created, right? Uh, in fact, listen, there, we, we live in a world uh, of theists and atheists or agnostics or whatever, you know, because they can't decide. But, but uh, the theists believe, and there's different gods that they believe in, so I'm not going to talk about the ones that don't believe in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But the, the theists, of God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, believe that God created. And it shapes everything from there for them about what they believe about anything else in life. It's the origin of their origins. Okay? Atheists don't believe in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And so they got to find meaning and truth in other places, and it shapes, their disbelief shapes their entire path in life. Does everybody agree with me on that? And so th- this is seminal. This is foundational. It's not just the first book or verse in the book. It is the verse that everything else in the book is based on, the fact that there is a God. He did create, which means he is sovereign. And everything is his. He, he's the determiner of how things are supposed to work, as the designer of all that exists. Everybody say the word Bereshith. Yeah, you got to be careful with that one, right? Uh, but uh, it's the Hebrew word, uh, and actually, it's the, the Hebrew title of the book Genesis. It's the Hebrew word for these first three words in the beginning. Uh, it talks about how God is the origin of all origins, and it says they're God. This is the Hebrew word Elohim. Everybody say Elohim. Elohim, did you know here in the very first verse of, of your Bible, it's, Elohim is plural? It's a plural. Like four words in, we find out that God is plural. Not that there are many gods, but that God in himself is plural. We, we come in our doctrines to understand that to be the Trinity. We sang about it earlier today. We believe in God the Father. We believe in Christ his Son. We believe in the Holy Spirit. God is three in one, right? Anybody sing that song? We did sing that today, right? Okay, good. Uh, I was backstage. Um, yeah, that, 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 that's, that's four words in. That's, that's, that's a truth that's uh, in your scriptures in the, in the Hebrew language. It says that God created. Everybody say Barah. barah. Yeah, that's a fun Hebrew word, Barah. Uh, barah is the Hebrew word created, but it's a word that is only used of God in the entire Old Testament scriptures. There's other words made, you know, different other words that are used when humans create. But when this word Barach is used, it's only used in relationship to God. God's creation is unique. Why? Well, because God made the heavens and the earth. Anybody here made the heavens and the earth? No, that's pretty much God's property. Now, heavens and the earth is this uh, uh, figure of speech called a merism. And a merism basically is taking uh, the two uh, extensive something and including everything in between. Like, has anybody said I've searched uh, uh, from head to toe? Anybody ever used that kind of saying? Well, it doesn't mean you know went to someone's little head and someone's little toe. You're saying I, I searched everywhere, you know. I've been through hell and high water. Anybody ever heard that one? Yeah, you haven't gone to hell and you haven't been into high water, but you're saying I've been everywhere. I've done everything, right? Uh, that's what God is saying here, or is what is being said of God when it says that He created the heavens and the earth. It doesn't mean that He just created the heavens and that He just created the earth, and someone else made the animals and someone else. You know, He's saying I made. God made. Say it with me. Everything. Everything. He made everything. He made everything uh, ex nihilo. I know I throw a lot of of funny words at you, but uh, this is a Latin one. Everybody say ex nihilo. Ex nihilo means out of nothing. So God is the only one who creates things from nothing. The rest of us, we create from something. Like when I got my house, we just moved into a house. If you haven't been in church lately and heard me illustrate from that. Um, we, we bought a house and, and f- moved into it last June, uh, but when we bought this house, it was this old house built in the 60s and had been, it I found out later, for 10 years it sat empty and it was a homeless camp. How about that? Has your house been a homeless camp? Mine has. <laughs> the homeless lived in my house, which made them not homeless, I guess, but anyway, uh, it was beat up. Uh, it, everything pretty much had to be taken out of my house except the floors, the roof, uh, and the concrete brick, the concrete walls uh so so we uh redid my house and and created as it were a new house uh, from the house but i didn 't come onto the land that I live on and say, "Let there be house and there was house house was there, and I redid it or i, I didn 't even redid it i I made messes that everybody cleaned up but i I was there for the process. like, And even the stuff we added on, like if we added things onto it, I didn't create that out of nothing. I went to Home Depot. I didn't go into my bathroom and say, let there be tub. I went to where they sell them, and I put that. Are you with me? I don't mean to be you know, hammering something that's obvious, but God is the only one who creates from nothing. In fact, how does God create? Has anybody read this account? And God said, let there be, let there be, let there be, let there be. He speaks it the Bible says, and it is. Yeah, that's a pretty powerful God. Doesn't have to start. In fact, you know, we're going to talk about evolution in a very flyover 30,000 foot way today. There's no way, just so you know, I haven't met a pastor, well, except for the pastors who are into this stuff because they're weird, but uh, I haven't met many pastors who love talking about evolution because most of us aren't smart enough to engage in the argument, okay? Just to be, just to be honest, like we know enough to be dangerous, But we're, so I'm going to give you like 20 minutes on evolution, but let me start with this. Evolution, one of the problems that I personally have with evolution is that they, they can't go back far enough to tell me where the stuff that's, that, that created stuff came from. Here's what I mean. If you keep going back in evolution, what do they say? The, the, the way everything got started is a bunch of gases were just kind of floating out in the area of space and they, they come together and, and then there's a big bang and off we went. That's one of the theories of evolution. But, but if you keep going past that, okay, so where did the gases come from? Where did the stuff that exploded after it was combined, where did that come from? And this is where evolution, for me, starts breaking down. Because what it has to, what it's hinged on is that matter is eternal. So something that exists has, has had, at least in some form, has had to always exist so that those things that combined and reacted and evolved and all that stuff could move from an original to what it is today. Are you with me? So where did that stuff come from? Well, just always, and, and there's, there's not a satisfying answer for me with that unless you go theist on this thing and you say, well, there's only one person who is eternal and all that exists comes from his creative mind because in the beginning, God created. Out of nothing, he breathed everything into existence. Now, when it comes to origins, there's three major ideas Uh, When it comes to theories of of how it came about, the first one I just alluded to it is atheistic evolution, and this by far is the predominant idea of our culture today. Okay, when Darwin and others like him came up with the theory of evolution, things started shifting. Uh, We moved away from a theistic uh, culture uh, into a more scientific and modern culture. All right, and so out went the Bible and out went prayer in schools and all those things. And I'm not here to. deride all of our governments, you know, whatever. But, uh, but in came this scientifically-based theory of origin, a theory that predominantly excludes the existence of God and says, okay, we're going to just look at the data, and we're just going to look at the layers of sediment, and we're going to look at the fossils, and we're going to look at all this stuff, and carbon dating. and blah. You've Anybody been to school? Anybody? All right. And this is how we're going to determine our origin. We're going to go back, uh, as far as we need to go back, millions and billions of years, uh, to, you know, to create the system whereby all these things can happen, all right? And, and this is what we believe about how we came to be, says the culture that we live in, all right? Uh, I don't hold to this, uh, but I, I am, I'll just be honest with you. I, I don't think of myself as an anti-intellectual. And can I just really uh, challenge all of us as Christians not to go there? Right, everybody knows that most of the colleges, like all of the Ivy League schools, started out as Christian uh, 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 schools, and, uh, and 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 as soon as modern thought started, thought, thought, modern thought started coming into those schools. The evangelicals, the Christians, left. They formed their own, you know, seminaries and things like that. But but uh, Christians, instead of engaging in thought, kind of, well, just said we're done, and, and we're going to go over here and hide in our churches. Okay. So don't hear me as I, as I start talking about evolution to say uh, that you shouldn't think about it, you shouldn't uh, ponder and evaluate, uh, you shouldn't be challenged in your faith, okay? Everybody look at me on this one too. Christians need to think about what they believe, okay? The more you think about what they believe, the harder or the tougher your belief gets. Does that make sense? You get firmer in what you believe the more you question what you believe. Now, don't go all the way to doubt and dis, you know, just discarding your belief. That's danger Will Robinson, Okay? But try to figure out what you believe and why you believe it. So this is what our culture says. Now, as part of that whole quest to understand what science is saying and reconcile it with our faith, we get this next uh, band or this next grouping uh, of, of uh, uh, origin theories, which is called theistic evolution. This is the combo of the theism and the evolution. Okay, And I've, uh, at different times in my belief uh, in Christ... Wrestled with some of these theories. There's there's five or six predominant theories. We don't have time. I'm just going to give you a couple. But but just so you know, this is kind of the combo of the two. Does anybody know that you can get ice cream, uh, two flavors in one a half gallon? Who came up with that idea? And thank you, right? Because it used to be just chocolate, and you had to get you know. But now you can get chocolate and vanilla side by side in the same blessed half gallon <laughs> of briers, right? I mean, it's awesome. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Who's hungry? Anybody hungry? I'm hungry. <laughs> Theistic evolution is that same package. It takes the two of them, uh, theism and evolution, and tries to combat. So so basically, uh, I'm, I'm just going to share with you a couple of them. Everybody say gap theory. Gap theory. This theory uh, uh, generated in the malls uh, of America in the 80s. Gap jokes. Hey uh i don't have all how many days did it take in the in the scriptures for god to create oh good everybody said six someone said seven at eight o'clock and we had to excommunicate them they were out anyway (laughs) it's only six god rested on the seventh right it's called our sabbath and uh, he says that we need to do that too and here we are hey everybody how's it going welcome to the sabbath or at least our version of it it's usually saturday anyway keep going uh so there's there's seven days okay and, and, and part of what uh, theistic evolutionists do is, uh, is they try to reconcile our seven days with what the world is saying about evolution. So one of them is the gap theory, okay? And the gap theory says uh, that the first day, which most believe to be kind of a summary of, of, uh, of creation. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That Like Moses is saying, that's what I'm going to talk to you about. And here it comes. And then he describes every day as it follows, right? But, but what gap theory, theorists believe is that in the beginning God created the heavens and earth was a separate creation from what you and I are living on now. Just follow me. They believe that God created an original heavens and original earth and that that original heavens and original earth was marred in a period of time that was, you know, according to them the trying to fit with evolutionists, maybe millions or billions of years long, marred by a battle that took place in heaven. Anybody heard about this guy named Satan. Okay, he's this angel that the books of Isaiah and other places refer to as our adversary. And apparently in a pre-earth uh, conflict, Satan falls from heaven, takes a third of the angels with him. All right? And that's how he comes into existence. Now, the Bible does not give us the whole history of Satan and how this worked and the timeline of earth and all that stuff. But what pre- or gap theorists say is, well, all that took place between days one and two. And what it did is it took everything that God created on day one and just blew it up. Just made it a mess. Okay? So, on day two, God starts over. And then in sub, sub uh, subsequential or sub- yeah, these following days, he creates- man, it's hard to think a word sometimes. Has anybody been there? In these following days, he creates a new earth, a recreation. But in this, what they say is, is, well, all that time that took place, all the fossil records, everything that we see that's dead and all that stuff that's underneath the ground, that happened during this gap. And then God recreated the original creation. Just telling you what people do, okay? Most of us may have never heard of that, um, and we're like, huh? Just, just telling you what people do. Here's another one. The day-age theory. Everybody say the, the word yom, Yom is the word in your Hebrew text that is uh, translated day, okay? On the first day, uh, God created the second day, and it was, more, it was evening and morning, and that was the third day. Okay, everybody got day is the day there. Uh, day, like so many words in our language, or yom, excuse me, like so many words in our language, can be translated in different ways. In other parts of the Old Testament scripture, yom uh, actually means a longer period of time, like an age or an era. Uh, uh, in poetry, it uh, it's, tells us in the Psalms that a day with the Lord is like a thousand years. And so it's basically this concept that maybe when, when the Scriptures are saying, when Moses is saying, uh, day one, God created, or God created the heavens and the earth, and on day one, everything was null and void, and he created the light, which is what we're going to talk about today, day two, day three. Okay, those were long periods of time. And if they were really long periods of time, they would allow for... Uh, millions if not billions of years to take place, and we would, could still hold to a literal, somewhat literal, understanding of the of the, the teachings of Genesis 1 and allow for ev- evolution to be a part of it. Is everybody with me on that? Here, here's, okay. So like I said, I, I, I don't want to appear to be anti-intellectual, so at different times I've believed different things on this. But here's, here's a couple reasons why I've, I've stopped believing in theistic evolution. Uh, one, uh, the Bible says very specifically that God created man in his own image, okay? And, and so us coming from the apes is a problem for me, all right? Like it says that God breathed, he took dust and he formed a man, he breathed his own breath into us, that he took from the man a rib and he, he created the woman. <clears throat> that runs completely contrary to the things that you hear about in theistic evolution because even though they're trying to be faithful to it, they have to mythologize some of the uh, first chapter of Genesis to make it fit with evolution. Like what they would say about God, you know, creating man in his own image and breathing and all that stuff. Is that, you know, Moses was just trying to, you know, give a good story so that everybody could know. How, but this is really how it happened. Are you with me? I'm just not comfortable with that. That's the first thing. Second thing is this. Uh, death would have to have preceded, uh, in, in many, many instances, uh, the uh, evolution of man. Okay, he's further down the road, day six. But, uh, but, but death, if, if you have all these, you know, uh, iterations and eras of, of animals being created and dying and all those things, then what, what God says about death coming as a result of sin in the scriptures, well, that's invalid too. And that's not just in the Old Testament. That's in the New Testament. It says in Romans chapter 5, verse 12, it says, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, Adam, all right, and Eve. <laughs> Don't get all hyped up, ladies. Um, and death, here we go, Paul's Paul speaking theologically here and about origins of death and sins. He says, just because sin came into the world through one man, that's how sin came about, and death through sin, so death spread to all men because all have sinned. It's a tenet of our faith that uh, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That's earlier in Romans. But how did death come about? Death was not, according to Genesis chapters 1 through 3, death was not a part of the cosmos until man chose to rebel against God. So in, in a gap theory or in a day-age theory, you've got fossils upon fossils. You've got dead stuff upon dead stuff upon dead stuff before man ever even shows up. Are you with me? And it runs counter uh, to, to basically one of the major tenets of our faith, that death is partnered with, coupled with the onset of sin. So I, I'm a theistic creationist. Like I said, there's more of these positions. If you want to read about them, go ahead. Try not to find them online. Some of those are wackadoo. Anyway, uh, (laughs) theistic creationism though, basically says this. If atheistic evolution says, no God, all chance, and theistic evolution says, some God, some chance, theistic creationism says, all God, no chance. Everybody get the differences? I mean, just God said it. I believe, that's it. That's, that, that's what happened. Now, to be fair, uh, because again, there's, there's uh, still this tension between what we're discovering through science and what we believe theologically. So there's this field called scientific creationism that is basically held to a young earth. Anybody ever heard that, the young earth theory? The, the young earth theory basically comes for theists, especially biblical theists, from the genealogies that you read about in Genesis and throughout the Old Testament. If you read through all those things like I had to do in in one of my classes in Bible school, it was really painful. Lots of math. But, uh, but if you add up all those numbers, you come up with about 8,000 years of Earth's history from Adam until now. Okay? And I know everybody who went to school is like, that's not long enough. Because in science, they told us longer. Yeah, I get that. But what do we have as recorded history? 2,000, 3,000, maybe 4,000 years of Earth history? After that, everybody's guessing, right? The scientists and the theists. So what, what, the, what the young earth uh, creation scientists say is, well, let's try to explain things uh, through a, a different uh, uh, set of, of presumptions. Instead of believing that the earth is, is forever long, uh, what if it's only 8,000 years old? And they, and they start going to the same data that evolutionists do and just seeing it and explaining it in different ways. If I had more time, there's some great books on that. There's a great website if you want to read up on some of this stuff. It's called creation.com. And that's a website that uh, basically is full of creationist scientist stuff, okay? Now, here's, here's where I am. You ready? This is where I am. I'm here. The next one says literal 24-hour theory. And here's why I'm here. I'm 46 years old. Some of you are a lot older. Some of you are a lot younger. But I'm hitting that sweet spot where right now I'm dealing with my mortality. I know I'm on the back side of stuff. Is anybody with me on this? I mean, I, I pray God gives me like 100 years. That would be awesome. You know, I'm, I, hope, I hope I'm a fun 100-year-old. Uh, but I'm on, I'm, on the, I'm on the decline. I'm on the back side of these things, okay? Uh, I've lived long enough to know that I don't know. Anybody? When you're 20, you know, and you want everybody to know you know. Because you've been here 20 years, and you've got to figure it out. Listen, pay attention to me. I can help you. I'm 20. Right? But then the longer you go... The more you figure out, hey, I'm not as sure. I'm not as sure as what I was really sure about back then. And you start getting comfortable with not knowing. I'm very comfortable with not knowing now. Okay? So here's the deal. Uh, Here's reasons that I've chosen just to be a 24-hour literalist interpreter of Genesis chapter 1. First of all, if I'm trying really hard to fit everything that mankind is trying to tell me about my origins and stuff like that into my theism, there is a tug-of-war going on, and I could potentially slide off of theism into atheism because of the science. And it happens all the time. Does anybody know someone like that? I believed for a long time, but then I went to school and they told me this, and off I went. Okay? Now, I get it. I'm not saying that those things aren't real and you got to wrestle with them and stuff like that. But it it, it takes just as much faith. Everybody look at me. Uh, If this goes out on the web, I hope they write me nasty letters. But it takes just as much faith to believe in evolution as it does to believe in God's creation. We just don't have the proof that everybody seems to think is out there that makes this just lock. This is on lock. Everything that you've heard in school is the truth. That's not true. It's called the theory of evolution. It's looking at the facts and saying, here's what we think. So if we're going to have two theories, I'm going with this one. I'm going with the one that I have sensed spiritually that had confirmed in me, in my soul, and in my mind, and in my spirit... And if I'm wrong, hey, I'm wrong. Uh, but if, if I'm right, uh, I'm cooler than you. I don't know. I mean, uh, I just don't know enough to know enough. And so I'm going to choose. And I don't think that's anti-intellectual. I don't think, I'm, I'm just admitting that I'm stupid, okay? And I, I, I'm not going to figure this out, and so I choose to believe. Faith's required by both. I choose to put my faith in. In the God who made me, made me for himself, and who has remade me again by the grace of Jesus Christ. All right? That's my deal. So those are some of the positions. And uh, I just want, I, again, I can't, this is 30,000 feet on the subject, some great books. A guy named Philip, jo, jo, uh, Philip Johnson wrote a book called Darwin on a Trial. That's kind of a more, um, less scholastic book on the uh, theory of evolution. But if you want to read that, it's a good book. Uh, another guy named Michael Behe wrote a book, as we talk about some arguments against evolution, he wrote a book, uh, called Darwin's Black Box, Michael Behe, B-E-H-E. Okay. And he, he writes in that book about this thing called irreducible complexity and it's fascinating and I'm going to butcher it, but here we go. (laughs) He basically talks about how everything that exists has within itself a design or a motor. Like even if you go beyond your molecules and atoms and neurons and protons, there's these little things called quarks and then there's a bunch of other words I can't even pronounce, but there are these subatomic, subatomic, subatomic particles, and what science has discovered is that at the very basis of our existence are these little machines where if you take out a piece of their, of their machinery, they don't, they don't exist anymore. It's like this table, okay? You've got a stand. We have got some screws that hold the tabletop, and that's what makes this a table. Now, you take any of those pieces away, and this thing, uh, at the very least, ceases to be an effective table. Like, you take the screws out, this thing's going to go flying off someday because I'm that kind of an active preacher, or, if you take away the base or the, or the tabletop, it's not a table at all anymore. Are you with me? And so, this, this irreducible complexity begs for a designer, which is a problem for atheistic evolution. Because it, it, it says there is no design. It's all chance. It's all time plus chance equals reality. But even the stuff that is, I mean... Forget the whole thing. Where did the stuff that everything blew up around come from? But even the stuff that is, at its very basis level, it, it, it has complexity, and complexity demands a designer. Uh, specified complexity is kind of along the same lines, but it talks about how <coughs> you know certain things um, just couldn't generate on their own, like the eyeball. That's one of my favorites. Okay. Uh, just my personal thing, like when I, when I finally tipped over and said, you know what, I, I mean I'm trying really hard to make evolution work and I think there's parts of it that I need to wrestle with and grasp, grasp you know, further, but, but the eyeball, come on. You can't tell me that a certain amount of millions of years could convince a creature who doesn't understand or even know that there is sight to create in himself so that he can perpetuate his existence sight, Right? I mean, it's not like they have a a meeting, you know, all of these salamanders get together. They're all blind and just kind of, you know, mucking around in the ooze. And they're like, all right, wouldn't it be great if we could see what we're trying to eat? Wouldn't that be awesome? And they couldn't even say that because they don't even know what seeing is. But they're, okay, next generation, Earl, I want you to really concentrate and pop an eyeball out. Okay, let's do that. Let's get this gelatinous orb going in the front of our craniums. And then, you know, maybe the next generation will just have that thing, but maybe the next generation will have the optic nerve developed, and then we'll, we'll get, the, you know, the cerebral cortex. The I mean, it's just, are you with me on this? And I'm not, listen, I, there's good scientists in here. I'm sure you've got explanations. But for me, I'm like, come on, the eyeball? You got this, like, jello marble in your head that has an aperture and opens and focuses and lets light in the right amounts so so that you can see stuff and your brain interprets all that, get out of here. There's a God. What are you talking about? Right? Okay, yeah. Yay, we believe you do. I'm getting getting emails. I'll I'll give them to Tom. All right, anyway. uh, Here's the bottom line. You know what it says in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 1? Paul's talking to the Corinthians. He says, listen, man, when I came to you, I, I came with fear and trembling. I didn't know what I was saying. I just came to you preaching Christ and him crucified. That's all I know. And he says, I, listen, I know what to some of you, this sounds wackadoo. That, that God, that there is a God, and that there's only one God. There's not a whole bunch of gods because the Corinthians were total pantheists. And, 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 and this one God sent his son in the form of a Jewish carpenter to die on a Roman cross so that you can have life eternal with him. I get it. Sounds crazy. But Paul says... In 1 Corinthians, hey, man, I'm all about being a fool if it's being a fool for God. And the stuff that he, listen, he didn't, he didn't come so that he could, like, prove himself to all the scientists and all the natural people. supernatural. He came to confound the wise with the foolishness of his truth. Read it. It's in there. And Paul says, hey, man, I'm a fool. Come be a fool as well. Let's hang out. And, and this, is, this is, to me, the thing with evolution. Most of it's peer pressure. And some of you are like, well, no. Okay, some of you are honestly, intellectually wrestling with it. But a lot of people, it's just like what they've always been told. And they don't want to be left out. They don't want to be, like, singled out as the one who, believes you believe the earth is 8,000 years old? You're weird. Hey, if you're a Christian, newsflash, you're weird. The culture doesn't get you. You are a fool to most of this earth's population. You don't believe it? Come watch when people find out I'm a pastor after five or ten minutes of getting to know them. It's awesome. Golfing with strangers, you know, like it is visceral, the reactions that people have. You're a pastor. (laughs) Right? Because what do they think? I'm a leader of a bunch of weirdos, and I'm chief weirdo, right? (laughs) So be it. I'm cool with it. I'm cool with it. You should be too. I'm out of time. Here we go. I'm going to start preaching now. <laughs> the anthropic principle basically just says, listen, everything that exists, is, it exists in this very tenuous, like like if the earth is is 1,000 or, or 10,000 miles closer to the sun, we burn up. If it's 10,000 miles further from the sun, we freeze. Uh, if the angle of the earth is is tilted just a degree this way or a degree this way, we all fly off into space. I mean, I'm, I'm being not scientific here, but there's, that, that's the basic premise is that everything is ordered in just such a way that, that the earth can sustain life. We haven't found life on any other planet. Oh, it's out there. Okay. <laughs> X-Files, hang in there. But, uh, but yeah, everything is, is ordered in such a way that we have our existence. Doesn't that, in my mind, demand a designer? Yeah, it does to me. Okay, let's keep going. I want to finish with this, and we're just going to kind of sprint through this. God is the originator of light in the darkness. So so God created the heavens and the earth, verse 1. First thing he creates day one, he brings light into the darkness. Look what it says in verse 2. It says, the earth was without form and void. Everybody say tohu and bohu. Those are those words. Without form or null is is the Hebrew word tohu, and the the Hebrew word for void is bohu. Uh, Scholars actually think that Moses was trying to get the kids to pay attention because he used a rhyme. The earth was tohu bohu. The kids were like, that's funny. Uh, but but he, was, he was describing the state of things. That the earth was uh, null and void, without form. And darkness was over the face of the deep. So here's what we got. We basically have um, some early form of creation where there's a deep. It's going to talk about the waters here in a second. So then we, know, we know there was some, something with water. and that It was almost like God had set up the ingredients for creation on the tables. Anybody ever baked and you got all the ingredients out? That's not a cake yet, but it's all kind of there. Uh, but, but you've got to make sure you put everything in the right proportions and all that stuff and then bake it at there. Right. Everybody with me on the cake thing had cake? Okay. So this is kind of what's happened. God's come to the ingredients of creation, and what's it say about them? They're in chaos. They are null, without form, and they are void. There's nothing in them. There's, there's no meaning in anything that God has created yet. Are you following me? A lot of people get on this verse and they, they focus on darkness and they think, oh, darkness equals sin in the rest of the Bible. So it's got to be said, no, this is amoral. It's just, there's, but there, there's, there's no form, there's nothing of purpose happening in creation yet. So what does God do? Well, it says the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of these waters, of these ingredients, whatever they were, that would become creation. The Spirit of God, lots of debate on that. Spirit is the word, uh, Hebrew word ruah. Everybody say ruah. And it can also mean breath or wind. And so sometimes they thought maybe it was the breath of God. I think it's all of them. The Spirit of God is the breath of God is the wind of God. And, and, and it says it was hovering, and, and it's, this is so great. If you're into, like, Bible study and stuff, uh, here, uh, three verses into the Pentateuch, uh, Moses uses this word hover. Did you know, like, almost at the very end of Deuteronomy, which is the last book in the five the, of the Pentateuch, uh, he uses the same word hover. It's like bookend hovers. Right, And in, in that last one, he, he talks about the hovering of an eagle over its nest. And it's this picture that we should have that, that God's like an eagle. Now, that's interesting. The Holy Spirit, when he was at the baptism of Jesus, how did he come down? Like a bird, not an eagle, but a dove, right? And, and it's this picture of the, the properties of or the personality of the Holy Spirit is that he's, he's like an eagle hovering over its nest, you know? Mama bird comes home. He's going to feed. And so instead of landing, you just kind of flap, 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 flap. flap. And, you know, they puke their food out to their babies. It's kind of gross. But, but, uh, but it's, you know, it's, it's protecting and providing. It's this hovering. Is everybody picturing that? So here comes the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit hovers over all the ingredients of creation. And then this is what God says. It's his first words in all of existence. First recorded words of God. Here we go. You ready? God said, let there be light. So here's the picture. Everybody with me? Everything is tohu bohu. There's darkness. There's the depth of the waters. The spirits hovering over them. And everything is dark. Go ahead, guys. Everything's dark. And then God says, out of nothing, let there be something. He says, let there be light. And there was light. God, and, and when we think of light, don't think of like good versus evil. Uh, think about uh, without form now having form, chaos being brought into order, everything being arranged according to the designer's preference. This is the beginning of creation, the creation of light. Turn the lights back on. The creation of light uh, gave way to the creation of the first day. Verse four says this: that God saw the light, and He saw that it was. Yeah, He's going to say that about all of His creation. He was pretty proud of His work, right? He said, it's good, and God separated the light from the darkness, and it tells us that the light and the darkness got names. The light was called day, and the darkness was called night. And there was evening, and there was morning, and it was the first day. That's kind of weird. How do you count your days? Do you start from the evening and go to the morning? No, your days start when? In the morning, sometimes way too early. Who's with me? Anybody? But they go from morning to night. But did you know the Hebrew? Uh, their calendar goes from evening to morning. Like the Sabbath starts Friday night and Saturday night. That's the day, okay? And it's because they're keeping with what God's creation kept with, that everything came from, ah, get this, the night, darkness, and everything was revealed in the morning, the light. Okay, two minutes. Does everybody see the gospel in that little thing right there? Because here's what you got in the first five verses of the scripture. You got the fact there is a God, He did create, and He's in charge of everything that is created. Made it out of nothing, just said it and was there. So fear God, worship God, honor God. He made everything that is. But don't, don't miss this. The first thing He makes is light. Light brought order, meaning to a world that was in chaos and darkness. Isn't that the gospel? That God has brought light and meaning to the darkness and the chaos of our sinful existence. Don't believe me? Look at, look at the verses that follow. In, in Genesis chapter 6, verse 5, it says this. It says, uh, as things got going, sin came into the world in chapter 3. We'll get to that. It says, the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart, of all mankind, was only evil continually. It's a messy English grammatical thing, I know. But it's basically just saying, listen, before the flood came, this is right before Noah and the flood... Everybody was dark, uh, pointless, uh, tohu bohu, all right? Constantly, continually evil, gone. And they needed a light. You go on into the New Testament, uh, there, uh, Jesus himself comes on the scene. And he says this about mankind For from within, out of the heart of man and woman, <laughs> come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness, etc. All these evil things come from within, and they defile a person. Our nature, this was what Jesus was saying, our nature is chaos, darkness, tohu bohu, all over the place in here, spiritually speaking. But What does Paul tell us later? He tells us here in 2 Corinthians that God who said, everybody get this, let the light shine out of darkness. He's quoting them. See the quotation marks? What's he quoting? Genesis 1. Verse 3, Paul, in his defense of the gospel of Jesus Christ, says, hey, man, God said, let the light shine in the darkness. And then he explains who that light is. The God who said, let light shine out of the darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory. Lots of prepositional phrases, but to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of who Jesus, so here, if you don't get anything else, understand this. From the very beginning of your book, the gospel is in the mind of God. It's how he created all that is. He started with moving things from chaos to order. And it's what he's done in our lives, even though the only thing that we have at the patent office that's under humanity is sin. Way to go. Mankind, we are the inventors of sin. Yay! We're awesome. But even though we're the inventors of sin, even though we rebelled against God, from the very first sin until now, God has made a way through his grace and his mercy and his love to bring light to our darkness. And so many of us here, we've already responded. We have faith in Jesus. We found the light in the darkness. So many of us here, even in our faith in Jesus, have gone through dark times. Put your hands up in the air. When you became a Christian, did anybody think it was going to be a free skate? Some of you might have thought it was going to be a free skate. Good, I'm a Christian now. Everything's going to be perfect. No. You get the prognosis from the doctor. You, You find out that you don't have a job anymore. Your marriage crumbles, and darkness reigns in your world. I get up here every week and preach to you, but there's a light. He is the God who made all things. He is the God who has constantly, since the beginning of time, been bringing order out of chaos. And he can do that in your life and mine because he is God and he is able to do exceedingly and abundantly beyond anything we could ask or think. There is nothing our God cannot do. So may you and I live in light of God's creation. Wrestle with the science. Deal with it. Uh, Stake your claims, I pray. In the, in, the, in the truth of Scripture. Uh, God, listen, he doesn't need 24 hours. He could, he could create the earth in 24 seconds or whatever. But if he is God, if he is the creator of all that is, he, listen, he's the creator of hope. He's the giver of light in dark things. And he can do that in your life and mine, I pray he does. I gotta go. Can we pray for that right now? Let's stand and be dismissed. Everybody stand, let's pray. Hey God, we stand in this room in recognition of the fact of the things that we were talking about today. Uh, maybe not all of us. Maybe some of us are still trying to figure you out. And, and this was hopefully another step in, in your direction uh, in this time. But uh, many of us stand here today, God, affirmed in the fact that you are God, that you created all things for yourself and all by yourself. You created it out of nothing. And you have given us hope. You've given us life the first time and then life again through your son Jesus Christ and our faith in him. Would you continue to shine your light in this dark world, God? Would you continue to bring order to our chaos? Would you continue to grant your grace to us? Yeah. Not like you've done over and over again. And would you lead us to yourself, I pray in Jesus name. Everybody said? Amen. God bless you guys. I'll be over in the corner. If you want to say hi, I'll be over there. God bless you.
1: Oh, these hands are tied. keep
2: on now keep on now keep on faith is something i'm not accustomed to I'm trusting other people something i don't really love to do i've never been a fan of it i act tougher really my shoulders they ain't built for this and i don't have nothing it's like i'm standing in the rain and you offer me a raincoat but i would rather stand and ring wet than take the hand out what's wrong with me you say you've always got your hands out And I cannot continue on my own So take my hands now I give you everything, God, not just a little bit Take it from me I am nothing but a hypocrite I hate sin, but I built a house and I still live in it Afraid to open up the door to you Let you into it My soul is lost and what it needs is your direction I know I've told you I do not need your protection But I lied to you This thing is tiring And man was not created for it God, please retire me now oh, dear tired oh trust is something i am not accustomed to and i know the bible says that i should always trust in you but i will never read that book enough and when i have a question i don't take the time to look it up or pick it up it collects dust on my nightstand i'm just being honest please take this out of my hands i have no control I am just a person But thank the Lord that I serve a God that's perfect I do not deserve the opportunity you've given me I never knew what freedom was Until I learned what prison means I am not ashamed I don't care if they remember me My life will always have a hold If you are not the centerpiece Take me out of bondage Take all of my pride If I don't have a savior I don't have nothing inside Take all of my lust Take all of my lies There's no better feeling Than when I look in the sky In your eyes It's amazing Hands are tired.
1: Oh, this heart is tired. Oh, this soul is tired. But I'll keep on, I'll keep on, I'll keep on. I'll keep on, i keep on. You felt peace in the valley you made where you're not meant to be, where the shame throws shadows on
3: you. But don't you forget that you're headed to more, but you're settled for less. Don't buy the lie, it's as good as it is.